Welcome back to the Pillars of Smoke podcast. My name is Sam. <laughs> and I'm Mag. Let's go. Beat Rush. What a banger, bro. Ugh. What a banger. Very few bands, bro. Neil Peart, man. Neil Peart just killing it, like always. One of the best drummers alive. Come on now, for sure. Absolutely. One of the 100%. best drummers. 100%. David Garrett, that was for you, brother. <laughs> Big Rush fan right there. Their, uh, their album 2021. Is it 2021? Yeah. Rush 2021. I could just jam, bro. Like, you can just jam to this. Oh, yeah. But we won't do that to you guys. Uh, <laughs> we do have some serious jam sessions, though. We do. Sometimes we it takes do. us, as we've said it before, sometimes it takes us longer to find a song. Yeah, and not even to find a song. Because I'll be honest with you. Today, mm-hmm. we got this song pretty quick. Ah, probably like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we... we, we, we yeah, but we usually we we have some serious jam. Like mm-hmm. We'll have a song ready sometimes, like and just start jamming for like an hour. Yeah, we'll, we'll jam for like an hour, just listening to good music and stuff, <sighs> which is sometimes the best. But that's the fun part about this. This is that is the fun part of this. That's the fun part about this because it's like if you're not if it's if it's just coming in here and just setting up a microphone, yeah, and just pumping it out really quick, it's boring. Yeah, I I get it. On this yeah. is like super light, and we get like, and we gotta do it. Yeah, but most of the time, just jam sessions. Mm-hmm. It's it makes me wish I knew how to play an instrument. Oh, for sure, bro. It's not I too wish. late to learn, bro, bro. I am thirty-two, about to be thirty-three. You could you could learn, bro. You could learn how to play like what the triangle thing, bro. Come on now, the cowbell needs more cowbell. <laughs> Needs more cowbell. Where's that from? I know. I know it from. Oh I think gosh. it's an SNL skit with Will Ferrell. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. That's where I know it from. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's so good, dude. He's so funny. Oh, oh man, those SNL skits are the bing, best. Bing, bing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Bro. How you doing, bro? Good, man. Yeah. Good. All right. Good stuff. Good, good, good. Good stuff. Get it. Got some stuff in the works. There you go. We got some stuff in the pipeline. Got some stuff in the pipeline here at Pillars of Smoke and uh, some mm-hmm. other side things that yeah. we're working on. A couple of little, little side projects, little uh, kingdom edification. Hey. Some kingdom benefit for the church. From, oh, yes. Um, it's going to be good. It's gonna be, I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about that yet, though. Not yet, not yet. We're not going to talk about that yet. We need to get that thing off the ground first. Uh, <laughs> But be on the lookout. There's some stuff coming out. Oh, yeah. There's some stuff coming soon. Very, very soon. Oh, yeah. Come on. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Uh, I can't wait to be able to talk about those things. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure some people are interested. I think think a lot of people, I think many people will be interested in it. Uh, And at the same time, I think it's just going to be able to benefit the church. Yeah. Capital C. And, And that's the... I mean, I think that's going to be our biggest hope is that yes, whatever we whatever comes out of that, that is mm-hmm. just a 
a pure benefit for the, for the church. Well, just like our podcast, Capital C Church for every uh, church locally. Just just like our podcast, you know, yeah. it's, it's we we do this one because we enjoy it, and me and Mag meet up once a week, anyways, and talk crap, and it always ends up in theology and Bible. Yep. Uh, and then the other side is, is we just hope to edify the church. You know, I, my biggest hope is that someone, you know, whoever the people that listen to this will listen to it and say, man, I learned something or uh, I was edified and, mm-hmm. and I was pushed into the scriptures um, or I was challenged to, to pray more. I was challenged to be more consistent with my church or mm. challenged to, to whatever, to, you know, to walk in holiness or something mm. like that, uh, to pursue the Lord a little more. Wow. What's going on out there? You that's, know, like the, that's like the you know, there's, cop there's, car. There's been a lot of police activity in Miami lately. Uh yeah, a lot of police activity lately. That looks like a fire truck. Though. Cop though, I think it's fire truck. That's a fire truck. As we've said before, we do this outside, so we get a lot of ambient noise. Uh, maybe you guys have heard muscle cars and motorcycles mm-hmm. and stuff like that driving by the background. So I hope you guys enjoy the background noise as much as we do. Yeah, uh, I think it kind of brings you into the conversation a little more on what we're doing. You know that recently I've learned <coughs> that there's an AI out there that will that cuts out all the background noise. Yeah, it does. I think it's Adobe or something like that. Adobe Adobe, Um, uh, Production Studios or whatever. I don't know what it's called. I I, I remember, I think you sent me a TikTok on it, actually. (laughs) I think I I did. (laughs) That's probably where I saw it. That's where I get everything from. Oh, of course. Of course. But you know what, though? Like, I kind of enjoy having the background noise in there. One, because it's kind of cool, in my opinion. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. and two, uh, we pump out these 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 episodes rather quickly because we don't really do. Oh, we don't editing. do any editing. Zero. We editing don't do goes any editing. This. You know, we. I think we, the most editing that we do is probably I probably maybe like cut and trim just a little bit on the yeah. front and the back end, mm-hmm. just to clean it up there. But just trim up the fat a little bit, and you know, zero. Just throw it out there. Yeah, 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 but I mean, that, I mean, that's what works for us. This works for us. We spent our money on a good po- on a good uh, interface and, and some good microphones. So at least our sound quality is really good. And other than that, it's good to us. Hey, maybe in the future we'll have our own little studio soundproofed. God willing. And then you all will be dying for those background noises again. Maybe we'll like <laughs> we'll like loop them in. <laughs> we'll get a channel just to add like background noise. Yeah, exactly. Set up an ambient mic outside. Oh my goodness, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, so let's do this, bro. So last time we last time we went through Hebrews six one through twelve, and as we stated a couple episodes ago, we are going into some deeper doctrines now. Uh, we're going into some deeper theology, and uh, with that comes having to break up some of these chapters just because they're so dense. <clears throat> oh yeah, um, and dense is good. Dense is good, especially when it comes to scripture, because that's that's how you know you're getting into the meteor stuff. That's hey, how you know you're well, cutting you know, your teeth. Well, you know what the writer warned us. Yes, he did. You're not. Hey, no more a, milk. Yeah, no more protein shakes. We're giving you straight filet mignon. Straight filet mignon today. So more of a are, strip man myself, but uh, yes, yeah. Well, my wife likes filet mignon, so you know, it's, she's a she's a non-fatty person. By the way, uh, shameless plug. Shameless plug if you're in the Naples area. Seat to table, baby. Seat <laughs> to table. Ad, it, this isn't an advertisement. It's, <laughs> it's not a sponsored. <laughs> if they want to sponsor us, bro, we're all, you know, we're all for it. But if you're in the Naples area, if you get out there, do a little day trip or whatever, go have lunch or dinner at Seat to Table. This is by far the best date night that you could ever have. Mm. It really is. Look it up. Sounds really amazing. It, it is amazing. It. I'm going to go check amazing. it out. All right, let's do this. Let's All get right, into this. So we are getting into Hebrews chapter 6. Start and we will be steak. We will be going through verses 13 through 20 today. It's now. It's, uh, we're finishing up that second half of the chapter. I mean, I'm just going to jump into this. Let's All do right, it. So we're going to jump, jump in. in. Verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. 
For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. I think we can pause there for a second. Yes, we can. Because I think that's like the crux of, yes, we can. of the passage today is, uh, is, that, is that thing there in verse 17, the promise the of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose come on wolf so what we are really getting into here today is god's immutability mm. mag what does immutability mean so uh the immutability of god um i mean that means that god is just simply unchanging mm. you know his being uh, his attributes his purpose his character what makes god what gives god his godliness and all of that that all of that, everything is unchanging, um, undoubtedly. Mm. Uh, God, um, God is described as immutable in, in various different verses. In Malachi chapter three, verse six, it says, "For the Lord, um, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not confused, uh, mm. consumed." Excuse me. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And mm. then Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, a very uh, common passage in this, in this uh, topic of conversation. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and when? Forever. Ever forever the immutability of god is closely related to his um uh is closely related to his eternality and mm -hmm. his and his perfection because god is perfect and complete there is no change for him um there there is nothing for him to change or improve upon mm -hmm. so he's not it's not like a software update where you're getting a new <laughs> god you know as the decades not, and centuries we're not getting come. god ios 17 no no you are not 2022 god is not it, it, it the same god that you had in the first century the same God that you had in the time of David as the same God as you had in the time of cre of in the time of creation is the exact same God that we have today. Mm. And that is a very beautiful thing in the idea that God is not moving or changing with the times or the culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I think I think the beautiful thing in that is like when, when you look at the first part of this chapter talking speaking to salvation right and and how um uh verse 10 said for god is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do like he looks at these things he looks at your salvation he looks at your track of sanctification and he gives you this promise of salvation. Mm -hmm. He gives you this promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then, you know, the author of Hebrews, again, because he's speaking to a Judeo-Christian audience. Right. He right. brings up someone that they would know. Absolutely. So that's why he brings up Abraham. For right. when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Right. So it's like, it, like we make promises all the time. Yeah. And we break our promises all the time. Yeah. Because we're faulty human beings. Mm -hmm. It's it's who we are. It's part of our sin nature that we that we break our promises. But God is not someone who breaks his promises, and that has to do with his unchanging nature. Well, th consider this: the reason why promises and contracts are are always are often broken mm -hmm. and often uh, nullified is because at some point or another, one of the parties changed their mind about Absolutely. something. And that's, that's a critical matter to understand when it comes to the promises of God. When God makes a promise, we have to consider that he is immutable. Mm -hmm. He is unchanging forever and ever and ever. Mm. Therefore, it's never going to change. It's, he's never going to go back on his word. And what I love here is that he gives Abraham plenty of promises. He makes plenty of promises. What are some of the promises that he gave to Abraham? Well, that he would make him a great nation. That he would have descendants as multiple mm -hmm. as, the, as the grains of sand on the beach or 
or as multiple as the stars in the sky. Yeah, and then those nations would be blessed through Abraham. And um, despite many obstacles and setbacks, God reminds, um, God remained faithful uh, mm. to his promises to Abraham. Uh, God promised Abraham and Sarah to have a son named Isaac, mm-hmm. and they eventually did. Uh, you know, God protected Abraham and and his and his descendants from. Um, from harm from their enemies, he he made plenty of promises, um, and he rescued them from he rescued Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis mm-hmm. nineteen uh, in order to keep some of those promises. And we we see God making promises um, consistently in mm-hmm. Scripture, and also we see God keeping promises yeah. consistently in Scripture as well. And what, something that like you said with with contracts and promises and them changing like the 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 promise that god made to abraham when he was still abram was really a contract that he entered it was a covenant that he entered into him mm-hmm. entered in with him it's funny because like my the, the the job that i have now is doing contracts <laughs> I, i'm 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 reviewing contracts and editing contracts and doing stuff with vendors and doing price changes and all these other things and it's funny because one of the first things that always gets looked at in the, in the beginning of a contract is, well, how long is this contract going to last? Mm. What's the, what's the term of this contract? Is it 12 months? Is it two years, three years, Is it a five year deal? You know, what is it that we're doing? Or even a contract that like a sports person enters into with a, with a, with a team, like, Oh, we're going to give you a 10 year contract for a hundred million dollars. That's amazing. But like, there's always like with humans, there's a term limit to a contract or a promise that we make. Like, and, and many times like the promises that we make, or, or, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, they're dependent on things. Contingent? Con- not contingent. Uh, whatever. The problem, I can't, I'm sure the word will come up to me. Um, the, the, the promises that God makes to us through his word are not contingent on us. Yeah. They're only contingent on him. Mm-hmm. That's why he does it on himself. That's right. That's so it's, right. so it's, if, if they were contingent on us, guess what? When we die, God's promise dies. Mm-hmm. If it was contingent on us, but because God is an eternal being because he's outside of time, when he makes a promise against himself, that is something that God has to keep for all eternity. Absolutely. Because that is part of who he is in his immutability. That is yeah. part of who he is in being an unchanging God. He is the same that he was back in Genesis yeah. as he is today in 2023. Mm-hmm. It's the same God. And what I love here is uh, verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, I love that the author switched it from, well, here was Abraham who the promise was made to. Mm. Oh, that's good. Here's, here's the promise that, was, that it was made to Abraham. The promise was made to Abraham. Yeah. But God wanted the, the heirs of Abraham to understand that this promise was also for them. <clears throat> he desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his promise. He guaranteed it with an oath. That is insane to me. Because yeah. it's like, when you, when you really look at that, it's... God has now pushed his promise further. He didn't have to give us the same promise. Mm-hmm. We're heir. If, if, you're, if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a spiritual heir to Abraham. Right. Therefore, you now also have the same promises that God made to Abraham, that God made to David, that God made to his people because you're a spiritual heir of that thing. And he goes further beyond in convincing us to be more convincing us to us that his promise doesn't change by offering Jesus Christ. Absolutely. By offering the Holy Spirit over to us. Mm-hmm. By by using the Holy Spirit as a seal to that promise. Hey, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of you. Mm. Think about that for a second. You have the unchangeable God's spirit inside of you as a seal to the promises that he's made to you in his word. I mean, I, if I don't know, if, if that's not encouraging, I don't know what is. <sighs> I'll tell you this though. Um, I'll tell you this that with with 
you know, with the promise that God made to Abraham and the fact that Abraham made that promise with himself. Yes. And that's the part that to me, it always wigs me out to think about this. Why? When the Lord and Abraham were, were basically speaking together, Mm -hmm. the Lord says, I'm going to make this promise with you. I'm going to make this covenant with you. And back then, the way that promises and covenants were made was that the men would go out, they would get these animals, they would mm-hmm. slaughter them, they would split them in half and put them basically on, in an aisle in a walkway. So one side, one half of the animal, and the other side, you have another half of the animal. And then the two men would walk mm-hmm. through this walkway. And the, the, the symbolism here is that if either one of us is to break our agreement or our covenant, our side of the agreement, then we should be like these animals. Right. We'll be dead just let, like these animals. Let, let what happened, what we did with these animals happen to us. If exactly. We covenant. Exactly. And what I love about this is that the Lord puts Abraham to sleep. Yes. Knocks them out. Homie, knock them out. He makes Abraham go get all the animals, split them in two, create the aisle, and then says, cool, thanks, bro. Go to sleep. Thanks, man. He puts (laughs) him to sleep, and then the Lord walks through that on his own. Mm. He made that covenant by himself, and this is the reason why. He absolutely, he just unequivocally removed every risk Mm. of Abraham breaking his side of the covenant with God. Mm. There is no covenant between Abraham and God. It's only God with his heirs, Mm -hmm. God with Abraham. Mm. There is nothing that Abraham could bring to the table. That is... (sighs) That's comforting to me. It's very comforting. It has to be comforting. Because if it's not comforting, I mean, it, it removes all liability mm-hmm. from us, but it gives us all of the benefit from God <laughs> keeping his covenant. We have, no, we take none of the risk here. It's like, it's like, it's like we have, and in a, in a, in a, I, I say this slightly loosely, we have no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. We this have is no true. skin in the game. This it, is the, true. All, all the skin was God's. Down, Absolutely. down to Jesus, down, down to, to his Jesus. Son. Like there is, and then, and then that's that's also comforting though in 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 looking at salvation and looking at like the whole of this chapter because it's when you look at salvation, there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. There's yeah. no amount of sacrifice that you can do. There's no amount of good works that you can do. There's nothing. It's all on. God. Absolutely. And that that should give us that that convincing nature of who God is. Mm-hmm. Like that should convince you on who God is, that he is a good God, that he is a God who is there for you, that he is a God who is not going to leave you, that is that he is a God who is ever present in your life and is going to help you through every single trial in your life, no matter what happens. And I think, and I think that's really like the big, like, like the underlying portion of this when it comes to faith, where it's like, we think sometimes of our faith as something that we have to, um, how do I word this without sounding heretical? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> we look at our faith sometimes as if it's, it's it's something to do with us. Yeah, and it's not like we have to we have to perform. Like we have to perform something for right. God. Nah. The only thing that God wants from you is your love and your obedience. That's it. That's it. That's it. If He asks you to do something, you do it. I mean, but that's what faith is. Right. Uh, faith is just simply trusting the Lord. The Lord just simply, and I'll never forget this. I had a pastor when I was growing up, the, the pastor who baptized me. Um, excellent man. God-fearing man, even to this day. Um, I've, I've, I've always loved him very much. <coughs> and one of the things that he always said that I'll, I'll never forget is that he was the first pastor that would just put it in plain, simple terms. Mm. And more than just using words like faith and obedience and all of these things, all he would say, and he would say this consistently from the pulpit when he would preach, 
when he would have conversations with people, he would say the same thing. And I left that church, um, went over to the church that we're at now. Mm. And I've been at this church for uh, just almost 12 years. I was at that church, at my first church, uh, I want to say maybe more than 10 years mm. or something like that. Mm. Long, long time I was there. And I hadn't seen him in about, and I'm, 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 I'm going to make a point with this. I hadn't seen him since I left that church because he retired. Another pastor took over and that, you know, that's, that's when I left uh, shortly after, I mean, maybe a couple of years after that. Right. But to my point, I, I hadn't seen him in many years. I didn't have his number anymore. He retired and all of these things. And I run into him at the mall, funny enough, yeah. him and his wife. <clears throat> the first question that comes out of this man's mouth. He's like, hey, Mag, how you doing, bud? Good to see you. You're big. You look huge sideways. Bro, that's amazing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm trying to go to the gym, trying to lose weight. No, I'm not. Um, I'm eating a lot. Um, but the, the very next thing that he tells me is very telling of his ministry and the impact of his ministry. Give me. He asked, how are you trusting the Lord? Mm. Are you trusting the Lord? Are mm. you still trusting the Lord? Mm. And that's, that's what he always went back to when it came mm. to faith and obedience. Are you trusting Are the you Lord? Are you trusting the Lord? Are you trusting the Lord? Mm. And it, 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 he simplified it in such a way where it wasn't overly simplistic. Right. But it was just simple enough for me to understand, even when I was a child, up to this 30-year-old grown man. Mm -hmm. um, are you trusting the Lord? Hmm. And this is, this is where we get back to with all of the promises of God. This yes. is where we get, always get back to when we think about God making promises and covenants with Abraham, God putting Abraham to sleep, God making a covenant with himself and keeping his oath mm -hmm. and making an oath. And the oath is, hey, I'm going to give you a kid. You and your old age, Abraham and Sarah were a bajillion they years old. Nine when they had Isaac. Insane. They were old. And they, you know what? They needed to trust the Lord just like you and I need to trust the Lord. And that's mm -hmm. the beauty of God, that he is unchanging. And all he wants from you is the exact same thing that he wanted from Abraham, mm. from Sarah, from Isaac, from Jacob, from David, from <laughs> Solomon, from everyone. All the way down the line. From all of them, bro. All the way up to, all the way up to you listening to this mm -hmm. podcast either in your car, at home, at the gym, before you fall asleep, in class, whatever, mm -hmm. whenever you're listening to this, now, are now, you trusting the Lord? Now, now, here's the interesting thing, because that's like the underlying portion of 13 through 17, right? Like, like you can trust God because he's unchangeable, mm -hmm. and you can trust that his promises are true and that he's going to give you these promises. So, like, if the promise that he made to Abraham is what it says in 14, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And maybe you're in a season of your life where that doesn't feel like it's real. And then you kind of start doubting God. Well, are you a liar? Yeah. Like, did you actually make this promise? Why isn't this happening for me? Like, I'm doing what you're asking me to. I am trusting you and I don't see these things happening. And that's where 18 through 20 comes in. That's right. Come it's, on. And it's beautiful because, and that's what I love about the word of God. The word of God, he's going to set you up with something. He's going to give you the, he's going to give you the doctrine. He's going to give you the truth of what he is. He's going to give you his character. And then you're going to kind of question something, but he already has the answer to the question that you're already having. Come on. Right? So that's, that's, that's given here in 18 through 20. He immediately cuts that doubt. Give it to him. He says at verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melky. Melky. <laughs> Shout oh, out to Melky. But there's, there's, there is that immediate, no, I'm not a liar. No, absolutely not. It is, it, 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 if I was a liar, if God was a liar, then that means that he would be a changeable person. Yeah. 
he would change his mind. He would change his mind. And yes, there are people immediately. Who, there, there are all those people out there that was like, but he did, he did change his mind with Noah. No, he didn't. No, Shut he up. did not. Absolutely not. Shut up. Go back and read that accurately. Mm-hmm. God doesn't. God doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. Therefore, because he doesn't change, he doesn't change his mind, and he doesn't change his word. That means that he is not a liar. That means that in in those desperate moments where you're asking yourself, God, you said that you would be here. Where are you? He's there. Yeah. And many times he's just there as a comfort Mm. because it's also one of his promises that he draws near to the brokenhearted to give them comfort. Like it, it, all of it has to do with his unchanging nature. And what, what I, what I love about this is that, um, so that by two unchanging things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Mm. Who have fled. I don't know. I don't think we understand <coughs> the type of persecution. No. That was taking place in the first century. No, not at all. I mean, I think I want to I want to just give you a little backdrop of what's going on here. There are political and religious tensions in Jerusalem. Mm. You know, there's Roman oppression and and um there's Roman occupation and oppression on Jerusalem. You know, there's uh Jewish resistance and rebellion you know, such like the zealots were just running rampant, doing mm-hmm. ev- anything that they wanted to do. Check this out. Um, there's tension between Jewish sects, such as the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. There's tension going on there uh, socially and, and religiously, mm-hmm. politically and religiously. Um, there's tension um, within the destruction of the temple mm. that was just about to happen. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of things leading up to, there's a lot of riots, things like that. Um, but there's also persecution for Christians in Jerusalem and in Rome. Mm-hmm. This is not just a Jewish thing. This is also a, um, there's also a lot of persecution for Christians. That's, that's what this letter is written for is for Jewish Christians who had, who had converted over to Christianity are wanting to seek to go back to their Jewish religious ways because they feel like that way of life was a little more um, peaceful than what it was to be a Christian back then. Um, You know, there's cultural and religious challenges in Rome as well. You know, they were living under um, living under pagan and and cause. and cosmo- they were living in a pagan and a cosmopolitan city with, you know, with different customs and different beliefs. Mm-hmm. There's conflicts between Jews and Gentiles um, that, you know, they were living under. They were also they had a lot of influence from from um, from Greek philosophy and culture and <coughs> in the Jewish thought, such as the writings from from Philo of Alexandria. I mean, mm-hmm. I read you something from yes. from him a little while ago. It, it was it was kind of weird and trippy. But. You know, there's also a lot of social economic challenges mm-hmm. that these people aren't making a lot of money either. No, they're not. There's there's famine as well. There's also, you know, there's there's elites are taking over, making it impossible for people to work. Yet the Lord is continuing to provide for His people. Mm. And check this out: Does that list sound anything familiar to the 21st century? A little bit. I mean, if we look around socially, if we look around politically, if we look around economically, if we look, there's always going to be that, there's always going to be that persecution. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be that pressure. There's always going to be that, yes, we do live in in a first world, 21st century, first world advantages. Mm -hmm. We have all the technology. We have a whole bunch of things. And in, in a lot of aspects, we have it good, mm-hmm. but we're facing a lot of these challenges yes. as well. There's a lot of division in the world right now, and it's making a lot of Christians look back and say, you know what, man, if I can just get in line and agree with the people on TikTok, mm. agree with, with, 
with you know a little a little leftist ideology here i'll be okay mm-hmm. i won't find a lot of conflict with my coworkers i won't find a lot of conflict with my professors and my friends at school I won't find a lot of conflict in the world. All I have to do is adjust my thinking a little bit to accommodate Mm. for the world. And we're getting into the same place where the writer of Hebrews is addressing the same context and the same topic Mm. for us in the 21st century. God is an unchanging God because sin is unchanging. Mm. Dang. That's good. We can end right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we're not. No way. Here we're going. Oh man. I mean, I mean, to that to that point, like you can you can think back into first, second, and third century church, <clears throat> and this persecution went on for a long time. I mean, you had Nero burning. Because, he was tying Christians up to his to his columns and lighting them on fire just mm-hmm. to. Just so he can have his parties and people could see. And and when you think about it, like we like Christianity did not become a legitimate thing that received less persecution until Constantine in three twelve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're ta- sure. We're, we're talking about a period of near years. near three no, 250, 300 yeah. years of persecution of straight persecution absolutely globally for christianity oh yeah wherever they would go wherever they would go it didn't matter yeah like now like like i, I granted the u.s does not necessarily the persecution that the, the quote-unquote persecution that the church receives in, in the u.s is not nearly as oh, bad absolutely not as in china absolutely or not. as in the middle east or yeah. in, or even russia because russia yeah. even to to an extent, to an extent like yeah they have their Orthodox church Absolutely. that's tied to the Kremlin. Well, there's even like, places in Africa where exactly. you will get burned because exactly. you're a believer, because you bring a Bible. And imagine places like North Korea, Ooh. things like that. Come on, man. There's places around like, the world that are still like this. That are still like this. And it's, but it's not to the point of a global scale mm-hmm. as it was back then. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really more like tying tying into God's immutability. It's... Yes, sin is unchanging, so is God. And it's if you if you try to align yourself with society, if you try to align yourself with the world, you're going to be aligning yourself with sin. And what ends up happening there is now you're tying yourself to something that does change in its in its forms, right? It changes in how it treats you, it changes in the promises, the quote-unquote promises that it gives you. And at the end of the day, it's going to lead you further and further and further away from a God who is unchanging, who will forever love you, who will forever bring you peace and joy sure. and everything else in your life. For sure. Like to 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 move away from, better put, uh, have you ever had a McDonald's Coke? Of course. Oh, it's the best Coke. It's bro. the best Coke. Absolutely. It's like if 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 you want some of the best Coca Cola in the world, mm-hmm. it's going to be McDonald's Coke. Oh yeah. You can go to the grocery store and you can get yourself a bottle of Coke or a can of Coke. It's gonna taste different. Not the same. You can go to Wendy's. You can go to Burger King. And you're thinking, well, maybe any soda from any fountain is gonna taste like McDonald's. No. Wrong. Wrong. The the reason why and and this is and this is the cool thing, because you can go to you can go to three different Wendy's and the Coke will taste different in every single one of them. Yeah. Wendy sucks. You can go to you can go to a different Burger King. You can go to three different Burger Kings, three different whatever. Fill in the blank. Wherever you want to get your Coke from, go to a different gas station. Maybe it's the, the way the day that it was bottled it tasted weird. Right. The Coke from McDonald's tastes the same in every single McDonald's. Right. Because McDonald's did research on the Coke and found that they and they had a part. They did a partnership deal with Coke to say, "Let us do the formula. Let us do the ratio." Right. And Coca-Cola was like, fine. Yeah, okay. McDonald's does the ratio for syrup to soda. And on top of that, McDonald's also refrigerates the syrup. Yeah. No other fast food restaurant refrigerates the syrup. So because McDonald's was able to get the ratio right, and they refrigerate both the soda and the syrup, Mm -hmm. the Coke tastes the same in every single McDonald's that you go to. 
it is an unchanging flavor. Oh yeah. It's the same flavor. With, the same with God. Wow. That's good. God is an unchanging God no matter where you go. And no matter the persecution that, and no you're, matter the that, persecution you're, experiencing. that you're experiencing, absolutely, he is an unchanging God and his promises are unchanging. Mm. That means that you can take his promises to the bank. You can hope in his promises and the hope in his promises because they're unchanging and because he's unchanging will never fail you. Come on. Come on, somebody. Mm. Now, what's the hope that we have? Man, we, ha- we have, you know, the promises of God give us hope. Mm-hmm. And that's the hope. Mm-hmm. That's the... Um, that's the hope for us here in in the 21st century. We're not getting those same promises that that he gave to Abraham that right. hey, I'm going to give you a son who's going to change the world and then you know you're going to have you know you're going to have son you're going to have a um oh my gosh descendants, descendants multiple, as multiple as the stars as much as much as much as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. We're not getting those kinds of promises. But what promises are we getting from God? Give it to us. Post-New Testament. Man, we're getting promises like eternal life, forgiveness of sin, the Holy Spirit. We're getting peace. We're getting strength and guidance. We're getting salvation. And we're getting hope. And we're getting joy, excuse me. We're getting all of these promises from the same God who doesn't change. And those promises are all kept... Um, they're all kept by Christ as our high priest. Mm. And that's that's something that this text brings to light as well. That's something that this text continues to, um, that's something that we can extract from this text. Verse 19, go for it, Sam. Verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here's what you need to understand. Uh, The inner place behind the curtain. That is the most pertinent thing to these two verses. Come on. Because the inner place behind the curtain, unless you were Jewish, you wouldn't understand what he was talking about. Mm. Unless you understood the sacrificial system you wouldn't understand what he was talking about unless you understood the purpose of the high priest and why the high priest was the only one that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, because that's what he's talking about here. When you look at, I'm going to give you all some homework today. I want you to go and look at the diagram of the tabernacle. Okay. The tabernacle is where the sacrifices were made for the, for the Israelite people. The tabernacle is where the high priest would go into once a year to make sacrifice and pray for the people and make atonement for the people for their sins. Mm -hmm. Come on. This place is where the glory of the Lord resided. Yeah. He, the, the Lord's spirit resided on top of the Ark of the covenant inside the Holy of Holies. This was what was behind the curtain. This curtain was, what is it? Four inches thick. Mm hmm made of like pure silk, right? So when you think about this, the high priest, if he had not done everything proper before entering into the entering behind the curtain to offer atonement, this man would die. I mean they tied a little they a little tied a little rope, rope with some bells ankle. Like a little cat. Yeah. If he flopped on the ground, they'd have to like put him out because yeah, pull him out because they knew that he didn't atone you know he didn't he didn't he prepare didn't do what himself he had properly. <laughs> he didn't prepare himself properly to enter in there. Yep. Nor could the priests that were standing outside waiting for him they and listening to his bells, him. they couldn't enter into yep. there because they were not the high priest. No way. And they had to pull him out. Yep. And here we have the author of Hebrews telling us that we have in Jesus someone who constantly is behind that curtain. So much so that when Jesus Christ died, the curtain tore mm. from the top to the, to the bottom. bottom. Not from yeah. the bottom to the top. It wasn't like someone came on there with scissors Mm-mm-mm. and cut the bottom and like they all Mm-mm-mm. pulled the thing aside. No, 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 no. When you go back and you read the that Gospels. distinction has to be the made. The distinction has to be made that this thing was probably about 20 feet tall. Probably. 
It was Probably. a huge, gigantic curtain. Maybe more. And it tore from the mm-hmm. top to the bottom. Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay. And it was done when Jesus died. Oh, yeah. That was the final atonement that would ever be made. And the hope that we have here for our salvation, the promise of salvation that we have, the hope and salvation that we have, that we can take this as God's immutability, that he will never take the salvation away from us, is that Jesus now is our intercessor as our high priest, sitting at the right hand of the Father, behind the curtain, constantly interceding for us. You know, what I love about this text, about this verse 19, is how the how the writer here shifts and mm-hmm. focuses on Jesus now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we were talking about God and his promises to Abraham, how he kept those promises, <coughs> how God is unchanging mm-hmm. with those promises. And then immediately shifts focus over to Jesus. Mm. There's obviously a connection there Absolutely. between the promises made to Abraham to Jesus being our high priest. Mm-hmm. This is what I love about it. And that's a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. But according to this text, we have this as sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. He is the anchor of the soul. Mm. Jesus is the anchor of the soul. Man, I started thinking about when, when I was reading this text earlier um, in, pre- in preparation for this, I started thinking about anchors and how they work. Mm-hmm. Anchors are pretty cool. Yes, they are. They can also be very, very, very expensive. There's a brand of anchor from, excuse me, I want to say from Australia. Mm-hmm. I can't do. Don't ask me to pronounce the name. I can't pronounce the name, but they're super expensive. <laughs> and the anchors are fantastic. But what I love about the idea of anchors. And why the author of this text is obviously so brilliant to use this illustration mm-hmm. is because this anchor, imagine, imagine that you're a ship mm-hmm. and you're floating around the ocean doing your ship thing, just floating around east to west without an anchor, blowing to and fro. You're going to wind up on some random shore. You're going to wind up on some random shore or much worse. You're going to end up crashing into another boat. You're going to end up crashing, capsized into something because of waves. You're going to, you're going to end up crashing like, I don't know, into a house, into a dock somewhere. I have, I don't know if you've seen these videos on YouTube and TikTok about boats, like just running into things. I think it's freaking hilarious, but anchors are critical to these ships and to these vessels and to these boats because they need to be attached to the boat. Mm. You need to be attached to your anchor at all times Mm. in order not to drift away. Mm. We just came off of talking in other uh, other episodes prior to this of the dangers of drifting away from your faith spiritual drifting spiritual drifting in order not to drift away further and further away where to the point where it becomes dangerous you have to be attached to this anchor Hmm. and it's not an anchor for your life it's not an anchor for your personal finances it's not an anchor for your family and kids for your wife and kids or for your husband or for your job it's an anchor of your soul Mm. and the and the lord knows this in this scripture he says it's an anchor of the soul critically it we have to understand this critically that if your soul is anchored is if the ship of your life is not anchored on christ your soul and the rest of your life is going to be drifting Mm. to and fro Mm. And the best part about it is that this anchor is continually in the inner courts. This, it's in this. It's. Oh, I just lost the word. 
is in the innermost part of the temple, mm. interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. And guess what? That anchor is unchanging. It is unchanging. No matter what you do, no matter what struggle, no matter what sin, the anchor is unchanging. It's unchanging. All it wants you to do, all that, that Christ wants you to do is to trust him unequivocally. And trust that he will not change on you. Also, part of trusting God is having the faith to walk away from sin. Mm. That's something that we're produced. That's, that's an aspect of being a Christian as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just dabbling and staying in that sin forever and saying, oh, it's okay. Now we're just taking advantage of grace. All right, all right. But it's having the faith to say, hey, I don't need this sin in my life. I don't need this sin in my life because I have an anchor of my soul. Mm-hmm. And as far as Jesus being a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, join us on our next episode. Oh, uh, that's going to be good. Next join week. us on our next episode when be we jump into week. chapter 7, which is literally called The Priestly Order of Melchizedek. Melky. Melky. That's going to be a good one. That is going to be a good if one. If you've ever wondered who Melchizedek is, Go go back into Genesis, mm. read a little bit about Abraham, mm-hmm. and when he meets Melchizedek, it's only a few verses. It really isn't a lot, but no, it's not. It's huge. Next week's next week's episode is going to be one for the books. It's gonna be huge, huge, huge. huge. <laughs> Love you guys. Grace and peace. Shout out to Leon Perth one more time. Come on! That bass, though, man, I think it's slapping. Ugh. Ugh.